Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to A Walk Down Memory Lane, a very, very special show today with a very special friend. Played for the Chicago Bears from 1979 to 1990, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2002. He is the pride of Jacksonville High School in Jacksonville, Arkansas. A great pleasure to welcome to A Walk Down Memory Lane, Chicago Bears all-time great Dan Hampton. Ham, thanks for being with us. Well, you know, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. I saw you of Trump's hotel in Miami, Florida. <laughs> yes, we were. Yes, we were. And I'll tell you, every time that I, that I, I get with you, and, and I, I really am I'm so grateful because we, we have, and I really appreciate you including me in your friendship circle. You're, you're an awesome guy. Uh, we, we, we met at our good friend Ted Hendricks, his uh, uh, celebrity golf tournament down at the Doral in Miami. And you are one of the guys that just, you're so charismatic. You're outgoing. And uh, do you mind if I tell the story? One night we were sitting out on the on the deck, and uh, uh, and <laughs> you proceeded to uh, to get up on the roof of at the hotel at the Durrell, and you wanted to go ahead and you took a golf club with you. You climbed up the roof, and you put it. They had these um, these figurines up there, and you put the golf club in one of their hands. I taped it. I taped it in their hand, and they finished the swing. <laughs> One of the all-time classics, and then the security people came out, and everybody's like, well, we didn't see anything. No, anybody up on the roof? No, there's nobody up on the roof. No, 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 no. But um, no, man, you're, you're, a, you're a great friend. I know you're very busy, and I really appreciate you you know, spending time. I, I want to talk a little bit before we get into things here about some of your accolades. 1990, you received the George S. Hallis Award. We're going to talk a little bit about that later on. 1986, you're a Super Bowl champion. You spanked my New England Patriots. We're never getting over that. We still have a still have a twitch from that. And uh, Coach Barry Raymond Barry is a is a very dear friend. You're a four time Pro Bowler, a four time First Team All Pro, 1980s All Decade Team, and you're named to the 100 Greatest Bears of all. You you're named as one the 100th, uh, 100 Greatest Bears of all time. Not a lot of people know this. At least I didn't in doing my my research. But you played in the high school your high school band. You played the sax and five other instruments. What, what were your parents, Robert and Joan? Were they musically inclined? Is that how you picked it up, or you just did it yourself? Well, it was almost you know, and people today, you know, before computers and cell phones and video games. I mean, music was a big thing, and I and you know what? I wish I would have been more of um, yeah, uh, uh, forceful about my, you know my kids. Uh, my my daughter plays a little piano. My son, I, I keep telling him I need to teach him how to play guitar. But uh, mm. I, the long and short of it was, I, I mean, I, I grew up in the country and I fell out of a tree when I was twelve years old, and I had to spend about five months in a wheelchair. Mm. Both tibia and fibia and both legs were fractured, and so mm. that, I mean there was, I mean back then you know, we had three channels on the TV and there were soap operas that's right so anyway my mother my mother knew how to play the guitar and she had taught my dad and so I was around it now one night we were watching the TV program Hee Haw we oh. all remember Hee Haw oh, was a great fabulous and I'm thinking to myself if Buck Owens can learn to play the guitar I can learn to play the guitar <laughs> and I love Buck Owens but I'm just saying it can look like uh, you know gotta be in the Mensa society to do it well, they taught me how to play guitar. And then when I got to where I could walk again, when I got to school, I, I inquired and got into the band, played saxophone and clarinet. 
And in, in fact, the doctor said, you know, after I had that fall, I could never play any sports. Mm. Well, after about four years, I healed up to where I was like a tank again. And I, the coach was telling me, come on, you're 6'6", 240 pounds, get your butt out of here. And so I left the high school band and took the field. And uh, what, a, what a blessing. You know, it was a combination of two or three things. One, you know, the coaches were adamant about – you know, hey, you have a chance to be, you know, able to, you know, use this, uh, this ability and this talent and, uh, you know, go somewhere after high school. And, and I had, you know, I don't want to say the courage, but, you know, the doctors were saying don't do it, but I said to hell with it. And so a lot, a lot of times it's like a life lesson. Hey, you have to dare, dare to be great. And, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to play and wanted to play hard and, Things worked out, but you're exactly right. I have, uh, you know, a a, uh, a lot of people, but maybe the saxophone, uh, uh, my music teacher, was as instrumental as anyone. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's a huge obstacle to overcome. I think one of the bands that you played in was called Sanctuary Woods. Yeah, it was a little high school band. I played bass guitar in that, and. I know, you know, uh, Aerosmith is, is big in your neighborhood up there. And yep. listening to uh, that, that early 70s rock and roll, I mean, I was, I mean, everybody wanted to be in the band, right? I right. Mean, you know, chicks and, and loud music. And what, how, can, how can you go wrong? And anyway, um, I, I, you know, I'm still in the band today when Otis Wilson, who uh, was a, a, a teammate of mine for yeah. 10 years, an all-pro linebacker, and Steve McMichael. Right. Uh, Mongo. He, uh, Mongo sings, Otis sings. I've seen him play guitar, and we have some other guys, and we, we play state fairs and, uh, wow. and uh, uh, festivals. And obviously with this, this Chinese uh, COVID stuff this year, we, you know, everything's been shut down. But we played probably 150 gigs over the last six, eight years. And... <sighs> Oh. And, and and we do parodies of Ditka, and like in, and all in all, it's just uh, another Ditka bad call. And everybody laughs. I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I love it. Didn't now? Didn't Otis play? You had a you played in the Chicago Six back in uh, uh, eighty seven to ninety. You had uh, Otis played with you back then, and, and Walter Payton, rest his soul, was on the drums, wasn't he? He really, he, yes, he was. And Dave Durson played horn. Yep. We had three Black Hawk hockey players. One played a, a, the cornet. The other two played guitar. And uh, we played for a long time. And then that band went dormant about 91. Mm. And then in 2013, some some people, were, we were sitting around one night. And everybody goes, why don't you put the band back together? And you know what? We did. And we've had a ball with it. And We've had a lot of fun, and as you know, just like the New England Patriot fans, they, I mean, it would be a very exciting thing to have uh, Gronkowski and some of these guys in a band. Well, same thing here in Chicago. We have great fans, and they love the Bears, and they appreciate you know, the, uh, the, the era, not, not only the 85 team, but the era in which we, we dominated the NFL for you know, a number of years. So it reminds people of good times, and a lot of fun. So it's it's really worked out well. Yes, well, we're, we're chatting here, taking a walk down memory lane with uh, NFL Hall of Famer and Chicago Bears great Dan Hampton. Now, you go to Arkansas, you play for, for Lou Holtz, okay? What, what, type of a, what type of a guy was Coach Holtz? 
He was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Think about this, William. When I got to Arkansas, my coach that got me out of the band, Bill Reed, is in the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame and the Arkansas Football uh, High School Football Hall of Fame. Now, I get to Arkansas. Who's my defensive coordinator? Jimmy Johnson. Mm. And oh, he was great. And his hair was perfect, even back then. <laughs> and, and, and Frank Rolls was my head coach. And wow. then after two years, Rolls became athletic director. Jimmy left. And Lou Holtz came in, and he brought Monty Kiffin. We all know Monty, Monty Kiffin in Tampa, sure. too, down in uh, Tampa. Right. But um, Lou Holtz was, was special in so many ways. And I was so happy that last October I was asked – to induct him into the Chicago Sports Hall of Fame. Wow. And I brought my wife and son. My son is 17. He's a senior in the high school. It's a now. big boy. Anyway, he got, oh, got to sit. Yeah, he got to sit next to Lou. And and uh, and it, it, it was great. It was like uh, 40 years had not passed. He's still, uh, you know, a, a very special mm. human being. He, he had, you know, his wife passed here three months ago. But yeah, recently. But Lou right. is, Lou, everywhere Lou has been, he has been not only a winner, but a force for good. And we need more people like that. Mm, very well said. I, uh, I, I met him when I was at ESPN years ago. And it, just his stature and his in his presence, and you know, as somebody that has presence when you walk into a room, Lou Holtz had it. He was very, very, very kind. Um, he was always gracious and uh, one of the most respected people. I've heard him actually speak uh, on video a couple of times, and it is it is he's powerful. I mean, he is really powerful. So you're at Arkansas. You're a senior All-American, Southwest Conference De- uh, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, two-time All-Conference player. You get elected to the Arkansas Sports Hall of Honor and the Arkansas the next year, the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame, and you're a member of the Arkansas All-Century Team and one of the 50 greatest athletes in the 20th century at Arkansas. What was your greatest thrill in college football? No, it's easy. You know, and, and let me just say, a year ago was the 100-year anniversary of the NFL, and the 85 Bears were voted the greatest team of all time. Now, <clears throat> I know you guys got a lot of Super Bowl rings up in New England, <laughs> and you, you could, but the one moment in time came, we were voted the greatest. Well, my 1978 Razorback football team that won the Orange Bowl against number one Oklahoma Beat, beat him 31 6. You spanked him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were voted the greatest team in Arkansas history. So, wow. it, you know, I mean, really, when I, like I said, when I got out of the wheelchair, he was to tell me that, you know, 40 years later, that I have been able to say I was a part of the greatest team in the NFL and then the greatest team in Arkansas. I, I would have said no way. But uh, mm. well, all that tells you is I had so many great coaches, so many great teammates. But I got to tell you, and this is something that, you know, I don't think a lot of fans see today. There's a lot of kids playing the game, whether it's high school or college or now in the NFL. They've got different agendas, all this kneeling nonsense and, and contractual nonsense and people fighting. and fret. When I played, I played with a group of, of young men that knew there was only one thing that mattered, and that was to win. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that Lou Holtz was so great at. He would say, you know, if you set your goal to win a national championship, well, there's going to be people that make it to the NFL. There's going to be people make it, in, you know, to uh, a, a 
uh, College Hall of Fame. There's going to be, the, but the main thing is you win, take care of job one. All the other things don't matter. Mm. And I see a lot of people with agendas when it should be one thing, and that is winning the game that you're playing. Mm. Mm. Powerful statement, and very, very, very well said. You you leave Arkansas. You sign your first pro contract June 27th, 1979. It's a four-year deal. You're voted in your first year. You're voted to the all-rookie team by the pro football writers. And, and that's where you really became the, 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 the nickname that kind of they, they gave you was the Danimal because you, you played it such a, with such ferocity. Um, but you, you never, ever seemed out of control. You, you, you played at, a, at an extremely high level, but you were always focused Explain that a little bit. I mean, for, for our listeners out there, you know, the game of football—it's it, it, it's essentially you asserting your will, a running back, breaking a tackle, a receiver, resting away from a defensive back to catch the ball, and then break it. The, you know, it, it's asserting your will, and if you if you kind of understand the physics of it. <clears throat> I used, you know, people go, oh, my son, he's, a, you know, he's, he's, a, you know, in college and he's 6'6", 290, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what do you want you tell him? I'd say it's easy. Stay low, hit hard. <laughs> and that's, that's essentially the game of football. Mm. It's about leverage, technique, and, you know, tenacity. Mm. And I just, I, hey, look, I, I was blessed with a lot of gifts, but I wasn't the biggest guy, the strongest guy, the first, but I wanted to be the one that played the hardest. And you'd be amazed how many good things happen when you play hard. Not only in football, but in life. If you play hard and, you, you know, you play to win, a lot of times, a lot, a lot of things just happen for you. Mm. You know, I, I want to, uh, uh, from your former coach, Mike Ditka, and we're gonna, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about him, but he had this quote about you, and, and it says, a lot of times in football, it's not so much the stat, but how you play the game. If that's the measuring stick, then Dan Hampton played the game as well as anybody. Wow, that's a great, great, great compliment coming from from Coach Ditka. Uh, did did you personally, as a player, do you have any superstitions? Oh, not really. You know, I, 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 my defensive line running mates, Richard Dent and Steve McMichael, and then the fridge. We 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 would have a certain like ritual things that we would be at breakfast at the same time would drink the same amount of you know coffee would get would get in the same car to go to the stadium would get taped at the same time you know nonsense like that mm-hmm. but in our minds and our you know if, if 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 you prepare to do things and it works out well then you become i don't want to say superstitious but you just say hey that was a good plan it resulted in success. I'm going to emulate that over and over and over and over again. Next thing you know, it becomes a ritual. Uh, 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 you know, one of the one of the things that uh, you uh, you know, you, I don't want to say superstitious, but you know, I wouldn't wear the same jock or the same socks. Or, but but a lot of things we did the same way in a methodical manner. That that obviously we uh, we were number one in the league in defense for years and years. Years and years. And years. So, that's right. You know, a lot of yeah, yeah, guys, guys adhere to uh, that 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 formula. What was what was Mike Ditka like as a coach? Oh, he was great. You know, in, in a lot of ways, like Lou, Lou was demanding, and his his essence was, "I'm going to demand so much out of you 
all the time that when you get in a pressure-packed situation like a game, it's going to be easy because mm. you've been in it all the time. And he, you know, look, look we, we had a great group. And we worked really hard in training camp. I mean, I can't even watch these guys today. They stand around. Back when I played, I mean, we worked hard. We hit. We knocked the hell out of each other. And you'd say, oh, that's stupid. No, there's a certain mental toughness that is created. It gave us an edge over everyone we played. Now, Dick, he asserted that type of attitude, that type of will, that type of, you know, asserting your will and dominance over the opponent. And, you know, like I said, those when the games are over and you're thinking about, wow, what happened? What, how did we do this? It goes back to, hey, it happened because we prepared to do it and we knew what we were doing. And, you know, his very first uh, words when he got to uh, Chicago in front of the team was, hey, guys. I've been watching you a long time. I played here long ago. Mm. Nothing's good. Nothing good has happened. But I've got a plan because I played on a team that went and won the Super Bowl. I coached on a team that went and won a Super Bowl. Mm. I know what is required. And a lot of you, you're going to be able to produce that and be a part of it because you'll commit and you'll sacrifice. But there's a lot of you that won't. You're worried about yourself. You're worried about this or that. Well, you're not going to be a part of it. And the sooner we can get started in identifying who is who, the sooner we get to a Super Bowl. And I'll tell you what, I, that night I went home and I was sitting late in bed and I looked at the ceiling and I'm thinking, what do I got to do to be a part of the guys that want to be a, a Super Bowl winner? And four years later, after we won, I was thinking to myself, you know what? It says so be. He knew what he was talking about. Because <laughs> in a systematic way, we eliminated a lot of guys and we kept the ones that enabled us to win. And like I said, you know, I'll be named greatest team of all time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Coach Ditke is one of the, the people that I've ad- admired um, being a football fan and, and uh, admired him as a, as, a, as a player, just watching videos of his. He, he always seemed like he was, he was the type of person that you really didn't want to piss off because you see him on the sidelines. He was so intense. Um, did he have kind of a a funny or a humorous side to him at all? I mean, was he was he able to, to take a joke or he just all business all the time? Oh, he had a great sense of humor. And it was all and he loved being a hard ass. And then he, you know, afterwards he'd say something like, Yeah, well, I, I can't believe he, you took that because I wouldn't have taken that, you know, that kind of crap. And when he had <laughs> his heart attack, Mongo and I go upstairs to his office and kick his door in and take his cigars, take his brandy. <laughs> and we come out and his T V camera said what are you doing? We said, doctor's orders. They say he can't have this crap no more, so we're taking <laughs> And he laughed. They showed him in the hospital. When they, uh, they showed him the film. Hey, hey. And you know what? I'm not saying we were saints. We would have nobody nobody ever. You know, the Raiders, our dear friend Ted Hendricks, mm. that crazy-ass bunch, they may have had as much fun with us, but they didn't have more. Mm. But we had a great time, and he would look at us, shake his head, and say, yeah, I remember when I was your age, that kind of thing. But, but he was he was a great leader. He, and let let I don't want to get too far down the the road without mentioning Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan, mm. our defensive coordinator that was already there on the staff when Mike Dickett took over, 
was huge, as big, a big a part of that team and in so many ways as Dick the Butt. You know, Buddy went on and coached the Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans. And, mm. you know, so uh, like I said, I, in looking back, I had six Hall of Fame coaches. And you know what? I may have been something if I would have gotten seven <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a that's a, one of the most humble statements in a, one of the most incorrect statements in the world uh we're chatting here in a walk down memory lane with nfl hall of famer and chicago bear great uh dan hampton uh was there a, 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 a particular uh player that you admired personally absolutely every player that you you know you know, coaches are very, very important, and they come up with strategies and blah, 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 blah. blah. But when, it, when you break it down, back when I played, all the kids wanted to be Walter Payton. They watched how he played, how he blocked, how he ran, how he broke tackles. Uh, great offensive lineman, they watched John Hanna, how he would come off the rock and ran people with his head, and then his arms came and just collapsed people. Well, I watched. Leroy Selman, the great Leroy great, Selman. Yeah, the great Who uh, played down in Tampa Bay. That's he was right. in the Hall of Fame. And Jack Youngblood. Hmm. Now, I watched other guys, too. I'm just telling you. You know, you're, you're a fool if you don't think there's always something you can learn. But Leroy Selman was exceptional because of his ability to get people off balance. And that's essentially what you're doing out there. You're getting people off balance to get by him as a defensive lineman. And I, my son is an offensive lineman. His objective is to stay on balance and don't let people get around you. So, you know, it, it, it's all, you know, the dance of the elephants. But, you know, certain <laughs> players, they were able to play at a certain level and they had a certain knack. And by the end of my career, you know, when I look back, it, it was amazing. It, I, there's certain things that I did that – that were very helpful in creating, you know, uh, opportunities to excel. So um, I watched those guys. I learned. I emulated. And I'll tell you this. And, and I, I know J.J. Watt's a great uh, defensive lineman today. And this guy. And uh, Khalil Mack is big. But you watch Leroy Selman. It, it's amazing how great he was. Hmm. Hmm. He certainly was. Certainly was. I want to ask you a question. Uh, you're credited with uh, inventing the, the Gatorade dump on, on the coach after a big game. How come you never had that patented? You, you, could, be, you could be made could be worth millions I'm right now. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, well, I'm an idiot. No, no, no. But how did that come about? How did that whole thing come about, Ham? All right. <clears throat> Everybody thinks... <laughs> Everybody thinks the New York Giants and Harry Carson came up with it. Hmm. What year was that? Oh, that's right. It was after the 86 Super Bowl. We won after the 85 season. The Giants were a very good team the next year they won. Mm -hmm. And that's when they dumped it on Parcells. All right. Fast forward to 1984, the year before the Super Bowl. Like I told you, we we're in the process of building a team. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you know, a season or two or three to kind of be able to build the platform to make a run at the Super Bowl. So we were up in Minnesota 
1984. And a guy named Jim Osborne who was in his 14th year playing defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears. I played next to him. I was, uh, I was playing right defensive tackle at the time. Anyway, after the game, we had beaten the Vikings. It was like in December, and we were 11-4, and four, and we win the division. And I'm happy, and I'm cutting the tape off my hands on the sideline. You know, a couple of minutes left, we're winning 31-6 to six or something. Mm. And I look over, and Ozzie is kind of wiping tears off his eyes. And, and Ozzie was in that one who Ozzie was. Mm. And I said, Oz, Oz, are you okay? I thought he was hurt. Mm. He goes, no, I'm fine. Man. I'm just happy. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, this is the first time we've ever won the division. Now, 14 years he's been toiling in the NFL. Wow. And they've never won anything. They never won even the division. Mm. And I, and I, coming from Arkansas, I, and I, I was like, you're kidding. Mm. God, how bad. <laughs> and anyway, I, I'm thinking I got to do something really profoundly stupid to commemorate this moment. And it, it's the end of the game. I look over and Brian McKeskey, our equipment guy, He's dumping out the gator because, you know, we're packing it up, mm. packing up to, to leave. Right. And I run over and I say, stop, stop, stop. And anyway, he goes, what? And I said, I need this. And I told Steve McMichael, I said, it, back then at the end of the game, they had a gun fire, pow. And the game was over and the coaches would walk out the midfield and shake hands. I said, don't let them leave. I'm going to bring the Indian on the thing. had probably 15 gallons in it. So it probably weighed about 60, 80 pounds. So you couldn't run with it, but, you know, I said, hold him and let me dump this on his ass to, uh, <laughs> you know, to kind of, you know, commemorate. And there was a picture on the uh, on the cover of the Chicago Tribune the next morning, and it said something like, uh, the Bears come out of hibernation. You know, and that <laughs> nice. was the picture, and it shows us laughing. And Dick even has a smile on, <laughs> on his, his face. face. <laughs> I know, it's hard to believe. But anyway... So everybody goes, well, why didn't you do it uh, after the We've been there, done that, right? Mm-hmm. The next year, we started off 13-0 and 0 or something. And so there was there was no moment in time to com- commemorate. We were 15-1 and 1 in the regular season, and then we destroyed everybody in the playoffs. But everything, we had got to the championship game in 84, and we knew success is fleeting. you got to keep working. you got to keep winning. And so by the time we got to the Super Bowl, it was like a moot point. And what I did for that was at the conclusion of the game, I told Steve McMichael and Fridge to go get Ditka and hoist him on their shoulders because Richard Dent and I were going to carry Buddy Ryan off because we knew he was leaving. And we were going to send him off in a wonderful fashion. And to this day, what, 55 Super Bowls, no team has ever carried uh, any other coach other than the head coach off. Wow, so really? That was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. See, and that was a great thing for Buddy. Yeah, and God bless Buddy. Yes, God, God bless. Great coach. Um, in his 1987 book, Art Donovan, Hall of Fame uh, defensive tackle for the Baltimore Colts, in his book, Fatso, called you the best defensive lineman in the NFL at the time. How does that make someone like yourself feel when you have a guy like that? that, that it... Well, I, I was aware of that, and I was I was so, so appreciative. 
and I got to meet Artie, and I told him, and he goes, hey, I played with the greatest of all time, Gino Marchetti. Gino Marchetti. You and Gino, he goes, you and Gino, the same guys. And I'm... I just got to chill saying that. Mm. And you know what? Everybody goes, oh, well, how many sacks to get? I got double and triple teamed every play because. Yes, you did. That's just the way it was. Right. And you know what? Guys like Artie, they recognize that. And if there's somebody that is just. And, and you know, I, I remember uh, a lot of times uh, in the middle 80s, we, we ran a defense called the 46. And I was. Buddy Ryan put me on the nose, and I'm, I'm not built like some nose tackle. But on the 46, I was, I was hell on wheels, and not one guy, a center couldn't block me. So it'd be a double team or the back help. Now, when you start concentrating on one guy, then other people are coming free, and then that that, that created the, uh, you know, the, the power of our defense. That you know, we, we just overwhelm people. But you know. Uh, John Madden gave me the name Danimal because Randy White was Manster. And he goes, well, if Randy White's Manster, then, then Ham's got to be the hamster. But how about Dan- Danimal? And he just came up with it. And, you know, again, like I said, so many, so many wonderfully nice things were said about me. And all I ever wanted to do was play hard and kick somebody's ass. And, you know, it's, it's it's amazing all the good things that are a byproduct in life when you just get after it and take care of business. And I also want to mention that you were the uh, selected to the All Madden team six times, and you you make the great point, Hamp, about being double and triple teamed. You had eighty two career sacks, and you also played in some major major pain. You had ten knee surgeries, five on each knee. You missed twenty three games in your career. But here's a great stat: in the games that you missed. The Bears won only 33%. In the games that you played, they won 75%. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal stat, and it, and it just it, it speaks volumes for the impact that you had on that team. In 1990, you received the George S. Hallis Award, and it's given to a player coach who has performed with abandon despite injury. And also in, in 2002, you were elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and then uh, just a simply amazing, amazing career. And uh, you're, you're also, you, you charitable uh, stuff you do. Miller Lite, uh, Gridiron Greats, your promotional tour to raise funds for retired players in need. Uh, what has the game of football meant to Dan Hampton? Well, it's beyond comprehension. And you know what? All the people <clears throat> that I've been able to interact with and, and be a part of their lives and, and this world of, of football. I gotta tell you, it, it, we have, you know, a lot of people, I, I do radio and television here in town and I do post games and I'm, I'm not always very kind to the bears. And, and they say, why are you so upset about it? And I said, they don't understand how precious this opportunity is mm. and not everybody can do it. But by gosh, if you get the chance and you are, uh, are deemed, you know, as giving that opportunity, man, the very least you can do is give everything to God, and mm. th- that is that that is the overarching, you know, uh, point of the NFL. But man, it, it, it's it's amazing. So many people who loved and cared about the game. The least we can do is pour it out, and that's the way I played. And, and you know, I 
I actually played through 16 knee operations, and now I have two replacements. Mm. And I would have done it again in the blink of an eye because it was, you know, trust me, we had fun. We got paid some money. We had we got to drive a dealer car. I, mean, <laughs> I grew up on a farm. I mean, where sometimes we didn't have nothing to eat at night except maybe some uh, peanut butter. But wow. I'm just saying, oh, it was what a what a what an opportunity, and it was great. And let me just. Say this one last thing, you know, when you said about, you know, when I didn't play, they didn't win my blah, blah, blah. It reminds me of Tom Brady, who I think is the greatest player that's ever played because of that ability to affect the team. And I know things are different. He's moved on and all that. But two years ago, the Patriots came to town. And the Bears, you know, they actually played pretty good and they had a chance to win at the end. But Patriots being a good team, they, you know, they never were in, in doubt. But before the game, I'm on the sideline with Richard Dan and Tom Brady's walking by. And I tell my son, I said, hey, get your phone. I want to get a picture with Tom. And I don't know him, but I walk up to him and he kind of looks at me and like, leave me alone. Then he recognizes me. And he goes, hey, hey, how are you? And I shake his hand and I said, I'm fine. Let me tell you something real quick, Tom. I said, my mother, she loved you. She said you were young Charlton Heston. But I said, you were her favorite player of all time, including me. (laughs) (laughs) And he started laughing. And I said, said something like, hey, you guys have got it going. He goes, yeah, but I remember what you guys did. I said, yeah, we deflated your balls 30 years ago. (laughs) We had a good laugh. And that's the way it rolls, baby. It's a great game. And if you can play it, if you can play it, I got to play it. Well, I, I think one of the, for me personally, and knowing you, I think we've had a relationship now for four or five years. You're always a guy, uh, the first time I met you, yeah, Wayno, here's, here's here's my cell phone. Call me anytime. If you're in Chicago, boom, we'll go out to dinner. Uh, just just uh, took me under your wing at uh, the Ted Hendricks uh, Hall of Fame golf tournament at the Doral in Miami. And uh, one of the things I think that's to, to me that's so much more important than any any accolades and stuff. And I think man to man is one of the things that that was said about you, uh, aside from football. But to me, I think it's the most important thing, one of the most important things in life. When you're describing somebody, it says, "You never forget your roots. You never forget where you where you came from." And my final question to you is, my dear friend, how does Dan Hampton want to be remembered? Well, um, you know, the, uh, the essence that I, I, I talked of, you know, some 40 minutes ago that we wanted to assert our will against the opposition, that we, you know, that we were a part of a special group that wanted to play the game the right way, and that was all out. And every year you see a team that gets, you know, certain – uh, glimpses of, of becoming special, you know. The, uh, the of course, you up in New England, you, those Patriots, they've been amazing. But to be a part of uh, something special, a lot of people never get that chance. I, I, I was given that opportunity, and I never wanted it to be said that I left anything in the bag. That's all I could, you know, ever hope for is that when people think of me, they shake their head and they say, "Man." He, you know, he he never left it in the bag. He brought every, you know, he, he brought his A game every chance, and 
that's all you can hope for. And then you let the chips fall. And, you know, everybody goes, well, if you guys are so great, how come you didn't win two, three, four Super Bowls? You know, we were in the uh, championship game three out of four years, but we only had one year where we actually had a starting quarterback. So maybe that's why I have such an affiliate, uh, affection for Tom Brady. Because mm. he, he was the uh, the uh, the great end-all, be-all. But, uh, you know, for one moment in time, we're pretty special. And I, if people remember that, I'll be happy. Well, we have taken a wonderful, wonderful walk down memory lane today with NFL Hall of Famer, Chicago Bears great Dan Hampton. Hamp, I, my dear friend, I, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. And uh, it, it's always great to hear your voice. And thank you so much for being on the program today. Hey, I look forward to seeing you soon on a rooftop at a hotel somewhere <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> hey, Fredo, you're the greatest. Hey, hey, God bless. I'll see you soon. Bye. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Thanks, Hamp. My guest has been uh, NFL Hall of Famer. Dan Hampton, Chicago Bears, all-time great. Uh, what a fabulous program today. Uh, he's, he's, he's one in a million. A, a great, great, great guy. And I um, hope you folks have enjoyed this as, as much as I have. For Dan Hampton, I'm Wayne Soares. We'll see you next time here on A Walk Down Memory Lane. Make it a great day, and God bless our United States military and veterans. <laughs>